Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Lucifer. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today, we are talking about Lucifer, Season 5, Episode 8. So this is our mid-season finale, or the Part 1 finale of Season 5, depending on how you think about the way Netflix is doing this half-season uh, release schedule. Now, uh, important quick question, LaToya, we should expect part the second part of this next year right not anytime soon i don't know i would hope maybe this year or like early next year i'm guessing but it all depends because they literally filmed everything but like the last few scenes of the final episode Mm -hmm. oh so they've filmed most of it but you know it'll be a matter of post-production effects and getting all those last few scenes filmed okay um so we will see we don't know that so we have Plenty to talk about in this finale, obviously. Um, and we're going to start with that big end of the finale. But before we do that, I feel like what might get overshadowed are these two important details that we need to start with. And the first is that apparently we got a tweet from Witness Aria. So thank you for this correction. Apparently, uh, Ella talked Klingon back in season two. So this is not a new thing for her. Um, so my bad. Apologies to the Lucifer writers. That's on me. Um, and also the second thing that I feel like we must make sure we don't overlook is Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so happy. Uh-huh. Oh my God. We're such good judges of character. Or we just watch way too much TV. It could be two things. <laughs> and no. Ella, I guess is not, but, uh, you know what? Ella wasn't into it initially. Yeah. Trust your instincts. Yeah. Always go with those instincts. Yeah, it was, uh, I gotta say, because this normally doesn't happen, but I watched the finale before I edited the podcast yesterday, because I didn't have enough time to uh, to edit it before I my second half of work. Um, and so then I was editing it, LaToya, uh, after having seen everything, and just the epic level trolling that you were doing of us. Was just like, it's just chef's kiss. It's so good. When you're like, Ella slash the killer, uh, the whisper killer forever. Sorry, Pete. And like, there's just some really good, like the finale is going to be all Pete all the time. Like it, it was very good. Well done. And it was a lot of Pete. It's just so much Pete. So much Pete. So much Pete wanting to be Cole Sprouse and not being Cole Sprouse. We're just talking about, like, why is he smiling all the time? It's super weird. It's because he he seems so fake. Well, yes, because he is. Um, And so I I maintain that the show still did not sell him to us well enough. But I think you can justify most of our complaints as actually being in character. They just didn't sell why Ella should be dating him. Yeah, I feel like it should have either allowed us a greater sense of foreboding or sold it more this as i was watching that second episode i was like oh latoya's right this is totally a casting problem but the problem is that they gave this guy the last scene right they gave him the interrogation scene and had him read with amy garcia they didn't do the meet and i'm obviously wildly speculating i have no information but what it seems is that they cast for that reveal without thinking really about how it was going to play leading up to that because he either needed to be worse news or more convincingly good news yeah i I agree marcus is the serial killer showed up at the murder before the serial murders (laughs) Well, that's because he planned to murder Ella. She was going to be his next victim. Oh, yeah. And, like, the the whole thing of giving her the key, it's because he wanted her. To, I mean, you don't give Ella a key when you have such a poorly hid thing. He wanted her to find that. He's a... No, he's just dumb. That's, like, that's the thing where they're like, he's so clever. I'm like, no, he's an idiot. He's like, I, I did everything right. You, this is... <laughs> now this is me getting upset with like Lucifer the show where like it's okay to like get so- take someone's key or like get engaged to them after dating for a week. That's what this show says is okay and normal. So we shouldn't have questioned Pete in the first place because that's just the fact that Chloe didn't say, wow, that's a huge red flag. It's because Chloe has her own weird dating things. Again, she had two dates with Pierce and then they were engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Don't take love advice from chloe decker yeah she's not got take it from dan <laughs> oh god uh well hey you know what the the romantic partners we've met that uh from dan's dating history are chloe and charlotte so that's a pretty good record 
you know who Dan needs to date? Candy fucking Morningstar. It's not good I, enough for candy. I don't know if I'm on board. I <laughs> ship it. She could be great for him. I actually think Dan might benefit from a distance relationship because he he needs to keep working on himself. But this way is somewhere to put all that love that's coming out of him. They they would be gentle with each other. I feel like he's got to get his shit together first more. Oh, definitely. He needs to earn her. Yeah. Okay. As long as we're on the yes. same page with that. I'm not saying Dan like right now. I'm saying a totally <laughs> I'm saying a much healthier Dan. Would be yeah. great for Candy and Candy for Dan. I mean, of course, Candy would be great for Dan. Yeah. Um, Keenan says there was a music cue that dropped in a recent episode that had Candy and the lyrics over and over. And I thought she was coming back and was sad that we never got her. I kept, I kept waiting for Lucifer to drop her name when, like, dealing with all this gift stuff. And then it just didn't happen. And it was just, you know, it would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that, like, everything's on the table, <laughs> right? Let's have an honest conversation between uh, Chloe and Candy. Um so that okay so are we done do we have any other thoughts on fuck pete well fuck pete <sighs> god he sucks stupid i'm just trying yeah. to figure out like the amount of water and energy he required to have that little greenhouse behind his tv wall. lilies need a lot of water I mean, yeah. just, yeah, that's a, that's a big investment. Um, I mean, they, for, first of all, let me say everybody should read, you should always read LaToya's reviews, but I found LaToya's Lucifer finale review in particular to be very illuminating and thought provoking. And it's just a really great piece of criticism and you should read it. Um, so I'm going to end up referencing it a lot because I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, the whole time I was reading it last night. Um, one thing that occurred to me <laughs> is that, if Pete had been delighted or like tisk 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 when Ella found his secret Lily death chamber room, that would have been one thing. That would have been like, oh, he's so arrogant. He feels like he's never going to get caught. So it's totally fine if Ella sees it because either he's going to emotionally manipulate her a la Stinky Ted or he's going to... um Kill her, which obviously we do not want. We don't want either of those things. But story-wise, that would have made sense. Um, because the person who is mm, who possesses the hubris to make themselves easily found by purchases of, like, grow lights and, like, the power usage on the planet. Like, you could definitely, Breaking Bad style, find this location if you were looking for someone who is growing a large amount of lilies or something like that like good old-fashioned detective work as they say um but instead we're just supposed to assume that like oh no things just went wrong in a really unexpected way that doesn't make any sense at all that was my big problem with it they seemed like they were setting up one thing and then it was something else and neither of them really worked Mm. yeah and that reveal of his little serial killer flower home uh that's like kind of foreshadowed in the previous episode where right before they find the information about less lucifer even tells chloe i'm pretty sure like this guy like is growing the flowers himself and he was right lucifer is a good detective even before he, he makes uh, evidence boards uh Who but did the thing- this for you <laughs> but the thing that gets me uh is in the heel turn because i think yeah he's definitely better as like the obvious villain but like it's still a lot of it's Amy Garcia doing the work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, he, when he's talking about how he did everything right, uh, gave the key to my apartment, and he's like, I-, I took you to that convention, which suggests that he's not a Trekkie, which suggests that he, he quickly learned Klingon to create this illusion. Yep. Which makes no sense to me. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's all it's all very dumb. Um, we see it. Scotty says, all caps, uh, serial killers are boring. Oh, he hates women? Shocking. I'm so over it. Uh, Marcus is convinced he's still the DJ murderer. Uh, <laughs> Scotty says, I'm so, so overthinking these dudes are remotely interesting. Also, as a woman who's been told, you like the wrong type of man. Try something new. And I did, and it sucked. He didn't try to kill me. It's all good. Ella's story gets at a real deep primal fear. I don't know if it's super, super well done in the episode, but the fear of, well, maybe the problem is me, and then you find yourself in a bad or dangerous situation is a real thing. And I'm sad and sorry that I have to watch my buddy Ella go through it. That's an excellent point, Scabby. 
and it's such bullshit. So like, uh, Mr. I hate women. He's like, well, I was going to kill you, but I didn't. Cause you're so like, everything you say is so nice, even though you still talk so much like a damn woman. But then he's, then he flips and says, I saw a darkness in you when we met in blue balls, when I was using you for like my job and scouting out a victim footage, not found as I put it in my review footage, not fucking found. <laughs> Yeah. A darkness in Ella? Well, hopefully she won't listen to this very, very You know stupid she's going to listen to it. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. What? So, But I, I was telling this to Allison yesterday. I have a whole thing going in my head about what's going to happen next for Ella. And I'm not happy about all of it. But I'm very on board with the headcanon I've so far come up with that I'm sure the show won't even approach doing. But here's what it is. Uh, so obviously she's going to be in a bit of a dark place. First of all, are we all agreed that Ray Ray is who saved her? Because clearly Ray Ray is who saved her. And I felt like a genius when I realized that last night. Anyways, she's going to be in a dark place. And so Ray Ray needs to come back so we can have them interact. And then be like, hey, you need to tell her because she she's, she's struggling. She needs a hard time. So like get her in on the secret. And then they, so then they can have a big happy family scene with Ella immediately being on board. And like having that be the contrast in how she reacts to everything is like she's totally fine with it and thinks it's great. And then we can have one big happy Lucifer family with everybody in the know. Dan's still doing his best to heal. <laughs> But but Ella being like now more connected than ever and more certain about her identity because she's listening to her friends and not too stupid stupid uh, Dan and also like then we get to watch Dan react to wait your imaginary friend from childhood is death like is actually death you've been friends with an angel your whole life well yeah I mean she's just Ray Ray but yeah so I, this is all what I need to have happen in the second half of the season I'm very excited about I it. What do you guys think? I have a question. What do you mean by Ray Ray saved her? Well, because she did, like, all of a sudden a syringe pops up on his back and knocked him out. I just took it as her grabbing that from the From room where? And- we never saw her grab it. We never saw her wield it. She's starting to pass out the whole time. I, when I watched it the second time, I was looking for that and I didn't see it. Yeah, I, I honestly just thought it was possibly, because like, when I was rewatching, I was also like, wait, when did she do it? But yeah. again, she was fading, so no idea, but that could also be an interesting thing if it was because Ray Ray is invisible, like that's her thing. So it's one of the figure. more less clear things in this episode. Like it's arguably like the biggest like weird editing oversight because it isn't clear how that syringe gets there. Because um, I had the same sort of concern about wait, who did that? Because. I assume it's Ella, but we never actually see, like, the inset shot of her doing it. Or Um, having it in her hand or anything. Right. So it's a little little unclear what happens there, I think. Um, But I also don't think it's on purpose that it's unclear. I think it's just a weird editing mistake. I did, Um, when I was rewatching, I did rewatch that scene numerous times to try to figure out if it was just, like, a weird shot. And I think maybe Kate is right then, because I feel like Alejandro played so much attention to detail that it would be weird if that wasn't a thing that was supposed to be noticeable. Uh, let me try to look, actually. Uh, Chris Rafferty, who wrote the episode, posted, like, the the whole outline that they have in, like, the writer's room for this episode. So let me see if I can zoom in on yeah. that part of the episode. Okay. Right. I mean, here, I'm going to link it to you so you can see how detailed this outline is, by the way. Uh, I will say I also just assumed that it was sort of an inelegant um cut and that maybe we were supposed to assume she had the syringe in her pocket which isn't a thing you should do you shouldn't have a syringe in your pocket because in theory Um, maybe she wanted to take it back to do a sample to make sure it's the something like that but like obviously it's obviously what it is there's no real reason to do the research yeah um so i had sort of assumed that but when kate texted me her theory about it being Ray Ray. I was like, well, that's actually really cool. So even if that's not it, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pretend that it is because it's it explains that odd piece of editing and the sort of reveal of the syringe beat that felt a little bit maybe bigger and weirder than it needed to. Um, and also just means, you know, the possibility of more Ray Ray in the future, which everybody, I think we can all agree that would be great. Do we have any other thoughts on how Ella's doing and and what we're... Because I'm not excited about Ella doubts herself. Like, we've had so much Dan doubts himself uh, that it's been nice to see Ella more, like, trying to make positive strides. I'm not excited for Ella 
uh, has a rough go of it and is traumatized. Yeah, I'm yeah. not looking forward to it either. And I would have liked some start on that in this episode. I understand that there's a lot of plates spinning and they have a lot of stuff to wrap up and they really want to get to God, um, as it says on the <laughs> on the outline board. <laughs> um, but it was it was just weird that Ella just completely like disappears um, in the episode after uh, Chloe's recovered. Um, but also, I was also like, wait, what did they tell people happened to Chloe? Did they ever explain what happened? <laughs> did they tell the normies what happened to Chloe after she got abducted into a zoo? Um, I kept, which I kept waiting. I was hoping against hope it was going to be like an abandoned creationist theme park because, uh, um, but no, no such luck, just a zoo, just an abandoned zoo. Well, I think we need to go to our next topic then, which is dad. So this is the casting that I knew about. They announced this casting last yeah. summer. Why? Why would you do that, Lucifer people? I like missed it. I, oh, the article I saw was like from January. So uh, I don't know if it was that far back, but like I missed it somehow. Or maybe I saw it and I forgot. So I watched when I watched the episode originally, I saw his name in the credits. But I'm like, well, that's cool. Uh, I look forward to him whenever he shows up. And then I kind of forgot because I was like, you know, in in the episode. And then he showed up at the end and I'm like, holy shit. And I hate that they said anything about it at all. Mm-hmm. They were talking about it in interviews and stuff before the start of the season. And I was like, and when it went, so I just figured that meant that he was going to be popping up sooner. Uh, so mm-hmm. then when it, when I, I realized, oh, wait, it's going to be like right at the end, isn't it? Uh, it's like, it's like two lines of dialogue. You you could you could have hold, held off on the we all love Dennis Haysbert thing until you're doing your press for season five point you know five or whatever. Maybe they just needed. Maybe they felt like they needed extra buzz going into season five. But they've um, been pretty good about getting buzz in general since moving to Netflix because they came back from the dead and it's been like just yeah. huge on Netflix. And they came back from the dead again by getting renewed for a sixth season. Like the, the buzz was fine. Hmm. yeah yeah i don't know i was also unspoiled on that and was really delighted um it i just watching this family squabble plus maze play out in that incredible fight scene that i can't wait to talk about what a good job kevin alhander did um uh it just looks incredible um and it's structured so well and that's but we'll get there um it was really interesting to watch as a sort of disruption of a family squabble and not as like a meeting of the celestials. And at the same time, it felt like there was probably thunder somewhere because the gods were fighting each other. Just, it was very cool. Um, So point being, I was delighted to not know, and it made the whole scene somehow feel more intimate to me and sort of not bigger and more epic. So I managed to almost not get spoiled for this. Um, <laughs> I got spoiled for this a couple of days ago. Someone retweeted a podcast that Haysbert was on in regards to Lucifer. And I went, oh, Dennis Haysbert's on. Lucifer. Oh, he's probably playing God, I bet. That's the only <laughs> thing that makes sense. Um, that's literally the only thing that makes sense. Because um, he's not going to be this actual serial killer. Um, he's God. No, he's definitely playing God. Um, so I, I was just like so bummed. Just like I almost got, I almost got to the finale without being spoiled on it. Um, I'm sort of like I'm very excited that he's in here. I'm sort of with Keenan, however, of I, 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 no, I don't need God in this show. Like as an f- actual physical presence, like as an off-screen presence of a thing that causes. And is an issue for everyone. Yes. But as a physical entity on the show, I'm not exactly sure I want that. So I'm kind of withholding a lot of judgment um, on that, even though I love his whole look. Like, I love it. It's very good. It's very beige. It's very good place. <laughs> uh, in theory, like, I would agree that we don't, we don't need God on the show, but like, lucifer the show that we know and love is like it's this family drama and you have lucifer so much of his his issues are these daddy issues that you kind of need his father to show up eventually for him to finally address them head on and it makes sense to in the final season have that yeah which i don't 
I don't know that he needs to be present for for him to address his issues, really. Um, Because the issues are internal um, that he has to work through. They're not necessarily need, like, him, God present as, like, the person to receive that information. Um, But that's, that's, that's just me. This gets into, like, other issues of, like, what does closure mean and this kind of a thing? And how do you achieve that? Um, so that's, again, I don't necessarily know that God as a physical entity needs to be present in the show for that to occur. Um, but it's a cool moment and a cool fight scene, as Allison said. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm withholding a lot of like, this is, this will probably end up being cool. However, I'm going to withhold any like real hard feelings one way or the other until whenever we get the second half of this season. As someone with multiple father issues, I say that Lucifer at least deserves the opportunity to finally deal with his head on. I have a lot of, yeah. I mean, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I I just assumed that we would never see dad on the show. And um, so when I heard that they cast him, I thought that that was very strange. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, if you're gonna cast God, that's a great way to go. He'll be fabulous. He'll be really good. Um, but, you know, Keenan says here, uh, I gotta be honest, as soon as you cast God, you've lost me. It's so distracting. I'd much rather deal with the theological complications of absent God than a defined real person God. I like this actor in any show. Uh, just don't cast God is my motto. <laughs> I'm happy they're gonna cast God that they cast this guy because I like him, but I think shows should leave God vague. Um, Marcus says that's a strange motto, Keenan. <laughs> Uh, I, I I agree with you about like not no thinking they'd ever bring God. I think definitely when it was on Fox, God was never gonna be part of the show at all. Uh, and and I mean I'm all for having a different interpretation of God than the the God we have on Supernatural, a real a real dick. Uh, so I'm uh, interested <laughs> in this, and I mentioned this in my review that um, D.B. Woodside was really pushing for uh, Haysbert to play God with Trisha Huffer having played mom. So yeah, he was like, let's get, let's get a uh, dad, you know, having a similar complexion to me. It's, uh, he was also like, uh, which I'd have like a hand in like casting the twins who, who play uh, baby Charlie as well too. Cause you know, and good job. Good job on both of those. Cutest baby ever. Um, well, and, uh, Haysbert and what's had worked together on 24 too, playing brothers. So yeah. Um, th- yeah, for me, well, I mean, we'll see what comes next, but w- I think that the the notion of resolving Lucifer resolving his issues with his father, um, with with him or, or being able to address at least some extent of it with him in person, uh, is tidier and and less interesting than having to deal with like not having that opportunity because your father won't engage with you. And I think it's also much more interesting on a theological perspective, um, because if you can just have God talk back to you, like it's not a thing that other people get to do that. Most people at least get to do if they are religious. So give, it feels like a more easy out. Linda's therapy sessions with God and Lucifer. Just, (laughs) yeah. Um, Honestly, I doubt that God's still going to give them the answers they want. He's still going to be withholding little dick. So I like I like that. <laughs> my my question that I just thought of and um is this. Does this does this mean that Dennis Haysbert is god for the entire multiverse in which case when does he show up on the flash? Allison's <laughs> <laughs> face right now as she works through this is just <laughs> I mean the real question is what is the relationship between god and the speed force? Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Nerds. I want to know when he's going to hang out on Legends. There's the reason it's my <laughs> go-to. Question. I want to. I I want to. I want to see him. When do the Legends become legends friends team. with God? That's, right? that's the finale of the show. What <laughs> if the Legends have to track down God to have a stern talk to him? Talk with them with him, with him. They have to have a stern talk with him uh, because he co-ops their catchphrase without permission. So they have to be like, God, screwing things up for the better is our thing. And he's like, no, it isn't. I've been doing it since the dawn of time. <laughs> and then they say, we'll see about that. And they go to the dawn of time. To and he's there. He's already there. They're like, well, things how about that? 
screw up his screwing things up for the better so that they screw things up for the better first. No, we we're working too hard here. Yeah, <laughs> lost the damn plot. We have. Um, Latoya, why is this? Why was this not in your spec script? Let me just put at the end. And then God shows up. Yeah. Yep. Um, Keen says, Lucifer did start saying, oh, my dad a lot more in the last two episodes. I should have seen it coming. Marcus says, I knew he was showing up. That's why I predicted Lucifer was going to die from the gunshot, go to heaven, see his dad before coming back. So I was wrong. Um, and Keenan said, I think that too. I didn't think we'd see dad or... Uh, Keenan says, I didn't think we'd see Dad or the Silver City ever. And I kind of don't, I don't want to see the Silver City. I need them to not yeah, show Yeah, that one I City. still think we're not going to see. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, okay, so this seems like not enough of a reason for Dad to show up. So uh, I'm curious how well, you guys feel about that. Amenadiel has stopped, stopped time. time. I, I told you that, Kate. He literally stopped time. Yeah. I, I feel like and that's a good reason it. to come out of the garage and be like, why aren't my ants moving? <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I would think it should take longer, is all. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, time, it, uh, time moves faster in heaven. Well, time was very different. Who knows? Right? Time was very different. But um, the the notion that, like, you know, the, the scene, the fight scene is half over. Like, the scene is not, like, I'm withholding judgment until we get more of all of that. So let's instead talk about uh, that pretty, pretty uh, fight scene and using that Netflix money on the broken glass. Well, yeah. any thoughts, guys? So much on that Netflix scene? money on that broken glass. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's just awesome. Yeah. No, it's a very cool effect. Um, I think the entire sequence is actually really well done. And one of the things I really like about it is that there are very few cuts in it, um, which, as Kate knows from listening to me to rant about this, um, whenever we talk about Arrow, um, or whenever I talked about Arrow in the early seasons, uh, writing about it, it's just like, why are there so many goddamn cuts in these fight scenes? I know we're trying to hide people, and Lucifer could benefit from hiding people because they can never get the stunt double for Tom Ellis right in any way, shape, or form. Tom's um, stunt double. I mean, I feel like his stunt double maybe has a hair closer to Michael's because, like, his hair look like he looked the stunt double looked better when he was doing the Michael stunts as opposed to the Lucifer stunts. Yes. Yeah. No, it looked significantly better because of the hair, but there's also just like weird things about like the stunt double's the neck. The shoulder and the jacket. The shoulders yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's just, like he's Angel. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, God, that's such a good cut. Thank it isn't Mike Massa, right? That's that's the Angel stunt double. It's got to yeah, be somebody else. It's got to be somebody else, but like, it, yeah, it gave me like, it's like you should be David Boreanaz's stunt double, not Tom Ellis's. <laughs> Yeah, but that kind of thing aside, like I'm willing to forgive it because the sequence is really well executed. Um, and one of the things I really like about it is that they're clearly like withholding punches because like Amenadiel and Lucifer in particular don't want to wreck this place because they're innocent bystanders here, which is a nice twist on how that works. Um, but it's very sort of like these are super powered beings be- beating each other up, which means things just keep falling and getting hit, but not within like a building collapsing sort of way, really. Um, so I really like that. And it reminded me a lot of like some of the stuff in Luke Cage where you get superpowered things getting punched into walls and stuff, but none of it, everything feels really almost mundane instead of fantastical, which I really like in this kind of a fight sequence. So all of that worked really well. And I liked the only other thing I'll say that I really liked in addition to the really good sort of cinematography and uh, special effects um, work that they incorporate to like show slow down type stuff is that Amenadiel breaks into like his own sort of like fighting style as opposed to just brawling, which is something that's been a little consistent with the show. So I really like that it came through here again. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that Lucifer fighting against Maze. He is defensive the whole time. Yes. Like his, his strikes are just to keep her down. Like obviously he's pissed. She betrayed him again, but like as usual, she had a reason. Poor yeah. Maze, like, we also need to talk about poor, poor Maze, just mm-hmm. getting used by everyone all the time again. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just so sad. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Baby girl. Um, before we totally move on from the fight scene, one of the things I really appreciated about it is something that I've noticed often when there is a show with a heavy action element and the person directing is an actor who works on that show. Um where there's just so much thought into the internal narrative of the action sequences. You can see like, 
Michael is fighting for a different reason than Lucifer is fighting, than Amenadiel is fighting, and their energies are different. They're enjoying it in different ways. Some of them are enjoying it. Some of them aren't. Um, there's a, There are tactics. There certainly is the point Latoya was making about Lucifer always striking just to keep Maze down so he can get back to Michael, but um, it's sort of throughout there are these little turns that are all actory not stagey and i that's always it it happened with um katie lotz's episode of legends this season um there are a number of actors in the arrowverse who've directed who i feel similar not all of them but you know a lot of them um so anyway i just really want to give it up to him for that sequence in particular um but there are a couple of others where i feel like he just did a really nice job with the storytelling and the tonal balance we have to talk about the very first scene at some point um obviously we should talk about maze now but we have to talk about the opening scene please 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 Mm. the uh for me the uh the fight actually i didn't feel like they were holding holding back i felt like they were holding back on destroying stuff but i i really like the effect that they were using with like kind of like the shaking Cam- like the kind of shuddering camera because uh, that really conveyed the strength because uh, to me it felt like they weren't holding back for the first time like we're seeing them actually fight because it's a fair fight because they're all celestials and so while the uh they're going out of their way to not destroy property which like i totally agree Noel, is a wonderful change in approach to how shows and movies usually do this where they're like let's show how strong they are by destroying objects <laughs> Just stupid. Uh, instead, we got to see they conveyed that force in a really meaningful way, but against each other, and I thought that was really effective. Um, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Maze, and let's talk, I mean, I feel like hand in hand with that is just how big of a dick Lucifer is here in this episode, like across the board. This is why really she's bad. always so mad at him. Yeah, I he's like to mention like, friend. wait, does he know why you're mad? Okay, maybe you should like. You tell sure him, yeah, and then you can be mad at him, and it'll have an effect because he'll notice. Will, Will he? he Will Chloe he? blows up at him in this episode, and he doesn't notice it. Yeah, he's just a dick across the whole thing. Yeah, his emotional awareness is definitely at an all-time low, which is bizarre. How do we feel about about Maze though? Because I think this really tracks for her. Yeah, I think it all works generally pretty well. Um, I've sort of ended up like struggling a little bit because I feel like there just hasn't been enough time on this. Um, but what we have gotten, because Leslie and Brand's really, really good, um, that it all really tracks. So I think that everything works really well. And I think that the thing that kind of helps sell it for me is the idea that Lucifer always keeps his word, and that's incredibly important to him. But it's not more important than Maze. It's more important than even Maze, which for her is like a deal breaker kind of deal. Um, but also, Maze, you you knew this. Um, but it's the developing, shifting nature of the relationship that I think really drives it home as a hurt. Of wait, no, we've gone through all of this. I left hell for you. Um, I thought it was more important and which has kind of been like her really consistent thing for much much of this show so having i really do need some sort of breaking point i think now at this point um but it's yeah, it has we'll to come see. from lucifer lucifer like has to because he yeah. still hasn't re- like he'll put up with like maze's issues or like he'll pour her a drink when she asks him to but, like he still doesn't realize or doesn't care to realize how important she is to him like he hasn't had that revelation and he hasn't had that revelation towards her, which honestly sucks. Yeah. I think the the stuff, like the notion that she didn't mean more to him than him keeping his word to Lilith also underscores this. Well, he's actually known Lilith a lot longer than Maze. And, you know, that uh, for me that I would think that that would highlight for her that, yeah, I've been alive for thousands of years, but as soon as I die, I'm gone. And that's not the case for the humans. It's not the case for these other people. They theoretically, we, I mean, we don't know much about the theology of the show, but theoretically, if they die, then their soul lives on forever. So it it then highlights, well, so when I'm dead, he'll just find a new maze. You know, just like, this is just one short part of his lifespan. Yes, it's thousands of years. So compared to the human existence 
of these new friends, it's it's forever. But compared to the the relationships of the Celestials, it's actually comparatively short. So that would just feed into where she's at with her, you know, seeking of a soul. So uh, I, I thought that that all worked together pretty well, even if I agree, I would like more time on it. And I think we're all on the same page. We, we need Lucifer to figure this out and fix it in the next half season. Finding her answer in the encyclopedia of souls. <laughs> <laughs> hey, imagine you'll get her a book. <laughs> no pictures though. No pictures. Al- Allison, what do you think? Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm very curious as to what the reason behind this sort of backslide is. And I guess that's not so much a result of his actions with Maze, which seem perfectly in keeping with what he's done in the past and what we know of him and his behavior and his bad habits. Um, and selfishness. I mean, lots and lots and lots of selfishness. Um, but it does seem like Lucifer has gotten so much better at recognizing at least when something is wrong that he doesn't pick up on what makes this May's betrayal different because I think this one is different. It felt different to me and it, it and it feels more and it's not permanent, of course, but it feels more permanent because the second that Michael offers the one thing that she thinks would solve all of her problems, despite the fact that no one has really sat down to talk to her about what exactly is like, this has never happened before and what does it mean and what will happen and all of that. Um, She still hates Michael, but she absolutely turns and the way Leslie and Brandt delivers that line when she says he offered me a soul. It's so matter of fact, it's like, well, you put things on a scale. You value keeping your word to Lilith more than you do me. And if I'm going to put things on a scale, I value this opportunity, even if it doesn't work more than I value you. Um, and it just feels hurt, but really frank, too. Not, It's not about getting him to notice. It's just that this is the way that things are. Very honest. She's so good. And this is, like, I think we've kind of talked about this for, like, a, like ever since season two, really. It's kind of just like, what I'm saying about how Lucifer needs to kind of reassess the situation and like finally address the May situation because like if he doesn't like it's totally understandable if the show is writing a story about friends who have just drifted apart but I believe the show would like to keep them you know friendship and like the show has to address like they have been each like they were each other's number one for so long before like you know Chloe showed up and soulmate and all that so like it's not just losing a sidekick or an employee when like Lucifer should really care about the way he's hurt. He hurts Maze and like the way he's losing her. Mm-hmm. And hope, hopefully we get that uh, either in the rest of the season or in season six. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, do we have any other Michael thoughts? Do we have any other topics? We, we haven't talked about the first scene. Um, I have a, a quick Michael thought, which is, and I might be the, cheese that stands alone here but this episode was the first time that i started thinking of michael as michael and not as tom ellis playing lucifer playing michael um it just seemed more relaxed this time and i really i thought he was pretty terrific um the thing i love about that first scene is something that i love about a lot of scenes including a lot of the michael scenes in this episode which is that there's a sort of somehow increased level of willingness to make something deadly serious and utterly ridiculous at the same time. When Dan, it's maybe my favorite moment of Kevin Alejandro's performance on the show of the whole series so far. When Dan gets on that elevator and is pressing that button and has all of that, like, what the fuck just happened energy. Um, and the stakes are so high and it's so serious. And yet it's also so funny and absurd. I just thought that that was really remarkable. And that's true sort of throughout the moment when Lucifer t- shoots himself again to see if it yeah. worked a second time. It's so ludicrous. It's like slapstick in the middle of this scene about betrayal and grief and fear and loss and guilt. It's like um, uh, Chloe could possibly get Dan to come around and then Lucifer shoots himself. Yes. just ruining the entire moment. <laughs> it's just the timing is perfect. Um, and I appreciate it 
that element of Alejandro's performance so much, but I think that even more than most, this episode does a great job of finding those moments. Um, the board, obviously, which another reason to read Latoya's review is she links to um, a photo of Lucifer's Revenge on Dan board, and it is incredibly funny and absolutely worth your time. Um, Except for the de- depressing parts. <laughs> the fact that the music was diegetic. It's mm-hmm. just so good. <laughs> He just had it on loop the whole time. <laughs> what a dweeb. Uh, the, the depressing part of the board is that one of his ideas is to convince Dan he's going to hell. It's like, no, that's why Dan just did this. You, yeah. Abort, abort. Go back to herpes. Go back to herpes. <laughs> to her. um, spider eggs in ear. Tattoo of me on butt. And after the first scene, Lucifer's no longer wearing the bracelet. He's no longer a bracelet bro, but it is, it is on the board and he wants to stick the, that stupid bracelet right up Dan's ass. <laughs> Um, that first scene takes us to Lucifer's shifting abilities. Um, my, I have a theory on this. I'm curious what you guys think. First of all, it's just so that we can play up Chloe's fears, um, and Lucifer's like just obliviousness. But my theory, uh, or what I jumped to was that he is not vulnerable around her anymore because she accepts him. And so he doesn't feel like he feels safe. He doesn't feel like he needs to be something other than himself for her to accept him. Yeah, I I wrote my review like he he knows self like true self worth for the first time, and that's what it is. Like he feels like he's on top of the world. Like he feels like he could like stand in front of a bullet and take it because it's like how, how great this is. So yeah, I I think it's the obvious thing, but it also works a lot for the fears. And uh, you know, Michael loves to play up what these things mean, but like Michael totally knows what these things actually mean. <laughs> Yeah, um, which kind of gets to like the my big takeaway about this episode, particularly the second half after we finish off with ugh, Pete, um, <laughs> is that the thing that I ended up really, really liking about this episode, both on like a script level, but also sort of like um, particularly with a lot of the work that Lauren German's doing in it, is that it veers real whole hog and really smartly and really earnestly into like romance novel type stuff and i really loved it like this whole kind of concept about his vulnerability feels very of a piece of like high fantasy-esque sort of romance stuff but then that whole sequence with her with chloe being so like just just tell me you love me and the way in which everything gets played plus the fact that the music is there the entire time um, it's super melodrama, but it's also just super romance novel, um, for me anyway, in a lot of ways, um, that I've just really deeply responded to and found that for me, that scene in particular worked really well in conjunction with everything else. So watching Chloe try to convince Dan, but also just all of the steps it takes to get to just say that you love me and because, and just just say it. And the ways in which he's like almost there dancing around it and realizing it, but then also is just so delighted that he's got his mojo back. Um, he just reads so much like that really annoying love interest in a romance novel that is just like, yes, no, if you just mature a smidge, just a smidge, you'll be you'll be you'll be great. Um, so all of that, I think, just really worked really, really well for me. And I was really happy with it. Um, and again, German's so good in that scene. Um, just infinitely vulnerable in just a whole big... I'm just a girl standing in front of a devil asking her, asking him to love her um, sort of deal. Um, it was just, it was very, very good. And I liked it a great deal. <laughs> that is good, although it is a shame she is kind of sidelined in this episode after all the great stuff she's done this season, same with uh, Amy Garcia, honestly, uh, having, but Maze at least, at least gets to do something. Linda doesn't. Uh, this is all mm-hmm. about the boys, baby. Yeah. Well, do we want to talk about Amenadiel and his freak out about Charlie? I, I mean, I, the thing I like about Amenadiel's freak about Charlie is that it's, we joke a lot about Amenadiel being, hello, my fellow humans. How do we human? And his whole response to Charlie getting a cold, all of it, is the single most human thing he's ever done. 
Um, he just happens to have the ability to stop time now. <laughs> um, but that's, it's just so beautiful and perfect, really, because it's the most human Amenadiel's ever been. This whole, my son just had a cold and I'm freaking out about it. He's going to die. I don't know how to reconcile that. And yeah, no, because it means something different because he's an immortal celestial being. But that's a realization that parents just have. It's a realization that we have about our parents, that we have about our partners, that they're going to die. And how, what does that mean? How do you think about that? And so watching Amenadiel just freak out while Linda's just like, everything's fine. That juxtaposition with Amenadiel's freak out is just beautiful and perfect. And I really, really loved it. And D.B. Woodside just knocks it out of the park about his anxious, that kind of just barely contained anxiousness, I think, um, that comes through. And then his just overwhelming confusion of, I didn't mean to do this. <laughs> and now I guess they have to remove the bubble wrap. Yeah. 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 From the ceiling anyway. Not from, not from like, not from the stair railing because they should also have those little bars bubble wrapped and they're not. And I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> well, any, uh, any further finale thoughts? Any, you know, what's Michael's scheme? I'm assuming he wants to kill God. I mean, that's just every anime, so I'm just assuming that that's the goal here. He wants to be the new king of heaven. The... <laughs> Who's the new king of heaven? Uh, I sort of assumed that he was trying to make it so that he had access to a machine that would turn every person in the world's face into his face, including Barack Obama giving a speech <laughs> in real time, and that then he would want to open a portal to bring through uh, Gallifrey and mm-hmm. all of the Time Lords. I'm I'm joking, obviously, but I do want to say that it feels very... I kept thinking that this season, but in this last episode in particular, it feels very doctor and master to me. It feels like, like a rubbing palms together, giddy, making mischief, but it's all because you were like a brother to me, only in this case actually a brother, and you got all the things I wanted, etc., etc., um, which I think is a great, like, classic dynamic, obviously. It's something we see in stories from all of time. Um, like Cain and Abel. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, or some versions of Cain and Abel, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I uh, really dig that vibe. This coffee cost me seven bucks. It's like seven <laughs> bucks, man. Uh, Scotty right. says he wants to win the kiss from Daddy. Um, yeah. Yep, pretty much. Well, uh, final thoughts on the finale? Latoya? Pete sucks. <laughs> I hope we don't see him again. Yep. I don't... Uh, I just... I, all for that to be even a red herring about Chloe is really mm-hmm. annoying. Mm. What, Pete? Allison, final thoughts? Yeah. Um, I, I want to give it up to... God, I forgot to look up the actor's name. Shoot. Um, the guy who's not the Whisper Killer, our copycat killer. Um, his, the Shusher? The Shusher. <laughs> those scenes were so good, and his letter-writing campaign was so good. When he said, The Shusher, I ju- my soul left my body. It was very, very funny. I think his name was Dave some. This is what I get for not opening IMDb. That guy, great. Dave, um... Figlioli, Figlioli. Figlioli. Yeah. Figlioli. Uh, Keenan says, Pete sucks. I'm bummed God is incarnate because it feels like, you know, what's the word? A deus ex machina. They should have let Chloe go home and take a shower after her night in the cave. I'm annoyed the human ladies were sidelined at the end, and I'm worried about Maze. These are all very good thoughts. I mean, it feels like a deus ex machina because it literally is. And I, I'm surprised on the board it says God and not deus ex machina now, actually. Yeah, Scotty says it's stupid that God is a cisgender man, but honestly, Lucifer isn't tackling that. That's not the kind of show it is, so it's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I still really want to know what they told the unis that what happened to Chloe that she was missing and thanking them so much for their hard work. And you didn't do then shit. She, where did she go? What did you tell them? Did she just go on a bender? <laughs> uh, I mean. I guess we should also talk real quick about Dan's fear of heights and how he passed out on the way. Well, <laughs> Michael I, flew both ways. <laughs> I love that. Because that scene, he's like, you know how I am about heights. Because it's just like, yes, this is why he's your friend. And you shouldn't. 
be working with Michael against him. Oh, so sweet. Oh, buddy. Oh, Alejandro's so good in the few scenes he gets in this episode. He's so good. (laughs) See, I think he'll, I think Dan will come back around pretty quick. I like, because of how they're handling this. He just needs to stabilize. It'll be okay. Get some time with Linda. More time with Linda. More time with Linda. Oh, Linda is going to feel so relieved that she's able to actually therapize Dan now. (laughs) Right? Actually, like, she's got to be so relieved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all coming whenever we get the second half of season five of Lucifer. Seriously. For now, that will wrap up our conversation about the finale. Thank you to Keenan and Marcus and Scotty for hanging with us today in the Zoom. Thank you, Latoya, for joining us to share all of your Lucifer expertise and just be your own fabulous self. And tomorrow we're going to have our look back on the season or half season as a whole and listen hear from all our listeners and everything. So I'm really looking forward to that. But for now, thank you all for listening. Hashtag Team Pete! Oh, wait, Allison! Allison, today is September 1st. Why is today significant? Because my book is out! Um, I wrote a book. It's called How TV Can Make You Smarter. It is short, but I really care a lot about it because it's stuff I really believe about the importance of critical thinking and empathy. It's just that I also worked in a bunch of Bachelor in Paradise jokes. Um, They're good jokes, too. Thank thank you. Thank you, Noel. so please buy my book. You can do it at bookshop.org or wherever you want to buy books, um, preferably from a bookstore that's owned by people and not boxes. Um, I am really proud of it. Please buy it. And if you do, oh, that was what I was going to say. If you do and you send me a DM or if you don't use Twitter, I'm maybe, I don't know, you could comment or something on the Televerse. Uh, if you send me a picture of the book and you want it to have a little book plate in it that has a picture I drew or something, I will do that. Just please buy the book and then I'll send you a thing. Yay! Buy the book, babies. Buy the book, <laughs> babies. The Latoya did. Tastemaker Latoya Ferguson. Oh, I book. see how it is. Well, bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Latoya, Latoya's arrived today. Noel got his early. Like he won the Harry Potter lottery or something. Anyway... Also, thank you, Noel. <laughs> I already All read right. it. It's good. <laughs> You're very nice. Okay. Televerse uh, endorsed. Okay. We'll be thanks, we'll be back everybody. tomorrow, guys. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Bye.